At the time, murder was an ordinary event. Colombia of those times was a Colombia where bodies traveled down the, the rivers. With them, we lost uh, incredible humans, really. I mean, the human message that they had to uh, communicate, I think it's really universal. You know, you talk about it with so much passion, you know, like I, I find myself tearing up a bit. You're listening to Trouble with the Truth, a podcast about journalists in danger and the stories that get them in trouble. I'm your host, Lana Istimirova. Thank you for watching Trouble with the Truth. Our guest today is Paolo Desidero, a documentary maker from Italy who just um, finished her a fantastic new documentary on the murder of um, a Colombian journalist, Silvia Duzan, who was murdered 30 years ago, um, along with um, several peasant leaders who she was interviewing. The, the late 80s and the, the 90s in Colombia were a very violent time where journalists' lives were um, dispensable and there was barely any protection. Um, so this story is just so heartbreaking and unfortunately it's just one of the many. So my question is, what drew you to the story and why did you, why did you decide to, to pick Sylvia as your subject? I've always been interested in uh, in injustice and uh, and uh, conflict resolution. I always wanted to be a journalist to try and idealistically to change the world. And when I heard this story, I absolutely fell in love with uh, the, the with Sylvia. Uh, Sylvia was the type the type of journalist, to be honest, that I aspire to be. Um, she was fearless. She was a people person. She was uh, an an incredible investigative journalist. She she could talk to all sorts of people and um, she when she took up a story she she as she entered she she she, she gained access um in uh, in incredible uh, places she reached to uh places where other journalists could not get to and uh and she was very passionate she was um, a straight talker she was a uh, very simple in uh, in uh, in her she was quite simple and unpretentious and uh, and uh, fully dedicated to the story and also i think she had the passion for the same things I'm passionate about: conflict resolution, injustice, uh, and uh, and um, that this was what moved her. So when I heard this, her story, and uh, and um, I just wanted to finish what I felt the need to finish what she hadn't finished, and also at the same time uh, to to tell her story and the story of her interviewees, uh, which was. Um, to me, it was an incredible story, and I was surprised I had never heard of it before. Yeah, and I find it incredible how, um, you know, journalists, right, it's someone who often lives in the moment and um, writes a story about the present, about what's happening here and now. And uh, the fact that, you know, you can have a personality like that who can still inspire another great journalist across generations, I mean, it's, it's, it's just fascinating. Yes, uh, when I heard the story, I was in uh, London. I was um, at a, uh, the presentation of a book by Maria Jimena Dusan, her sister. And she was presenting a book about uh, the peace process. And she mentioned the story of her sister. And, uh, and I, I absolutely felt immediately inspired. I started researching the story and uh, I questioned why 
uh, I didn't know anything about it. And, and you know, as journalists, we tend to be um, egoless or identity, you know, our identity is secondary to the story, of course. The story is uh, mainstream, but there was something about this story uh, that made, uh, unfortunately, Sylvia uh, the protagonist or one of the protagonists. And the paradox of this, of this story, she became, unfortunately, part of this terrible story that she was trying to tell with her death and with um, with the end of um, of this incredible peace process that the, that her interviewees had attempted. And can we talk about the context? She got caught in such a tragedy, and people that she was interviewing the those peasant leaders. Yes, but basically Sylvia uh, operated in one of the bloodiest conflicts of all time. Um, Colombia in the uh, in the eighties uh, was uh, was the bloodiest one of the bloodiest um, locations you could be you can find yourself being a journalist in, and uh, Sylvia, many many journalists at the time flew the country, um, went into exile because uh, many of the journalists of the time, the, the best Colombian journalists at the time and the bravest were on the hit lists of Pablo Escobar. And so it's the Colombia of Pablo Escobar we are talking about, a very violent Colombia not just because the, the the drug cartels but because of of, of also the, the what, what grew around the uh, drug cartels uh, the paramilitary forces uh, that, that were born out of the need to defend um the big um landowners from the guerrilla movements and uh, it's, it's a very complex conflict where it, it's not like the conflicts we are used to where there is a black and white uh, sort of situation it, it's a very very, very complex. And so the enemies are everywhere and the spies are everywhere. It's a very, very difficult um, ground in which to work. And unlike other journalists, um, she decided to not only remain in the country, but to cover the most dangerous area uh, in the country at the time. Um, she was in Medellin first, which was the um, headquarter of the um, Pablo Escobar car cartel, the Medellin cartel, and then she moved on to Madalena Medio, uh, which was the the growing ground of the um, of of cocaine and the, the 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 production center of cocaine, where a lot of interests conflicted. And there was the guerrilla movement and the paramilitaries, drug cartels, and they all worked together to create one of the most dangerous situations. Um, on earth for journalists to operate in at the time. And she followed this incredible story, and it was a story of, a, in the middle of this incredible conflict, a group of um, peasants, as you mentioned, uh, decided to, to challenge the forces uh, of, at the time, the conflicting forces at the time, and to um, create a safe heaven for for the, their community to prosper. So basically, through the using just the weapon of dialogue, they approached uh, the guerrilla, they approached the paramilitaries, the army, and they convinced them uh, to um, basically a ceasefire. Uh, and uh, with incredible bravery, at the time you couldn't look at these people in the eyes, you know, it could be considered challenging to look at them in the eyes. While they went up to them, they challenged them, they demanded peace. And 
um, incredibly, uh, the conflict ended in their region, in their very, very small region, the conflict um, ended for a little while and Sylvia heard of the story and she decided to cover it uh, but she came at a very dangerous time and uh, and unfortunately the ending was uh, was a very very sad one you know you talk about it with so much passion you know like I, I find myself tearing up a bit because you know it's not just a story it doesn't seem like a, just a story it's someone else's life you know and what I find so disturbing is, you know, over the past, you know, ever since, you know, Pablo Escobar, he really captured people's imagination, right? He's uh, been turned almost into this romantic anti-hero. And um, I think um, the television these days really thrives on this anti-hero narrative. You know, obviously we had the Netflix show, Narcos, that was immensely popular. I have to admit, I watched it. But at the same time, I just, you know, like, I, I, I just found it so disturbing how they would place this person in the middle of the narrative just because it sells i found it quite cynical is it an interesting story maybe but it's amazing that you know you're reclaiming another side of the story something that doesn't get as much traction at least here in the west you know about the victims of this never-ending war you know about sylvia you know because she has a place in the story as well and her life was far more valuable than one of the narcos, you know? And, and, and that's why I think your documentary will really shed light on these other characters in the rich history of Colombia. So um, I wanted to ask you more about the process. Um, who is your main character? Is it the um, sister? Is it uh, Maria Jimena? Uh, no, I wanted the character, the main characters, to be uh, the people that were protagonists of the story, uh, and then the rest is um, is is the victim, the families of the victims, including Maria Jimena, are a uh, the, the narrators because they are the closest I could find to uh, the real protagonists. Um, I wanted this to be their story, the story of uh, uh, the peasants that died with Maria with the, with with Silvia and, and uh, Silvia herself, so Silvia Duzan, and then uh, uh, Miguel Angel Barajas, uh, Josue Vargas, and uh, Saul Castaneda. Uh, these are the real protagonists of the story, and these these were also the protagonists of this incredible movement, uh, peace movement, then that was born uh, in the middle of this uh, bloody conflict. Um, and uh, and I, I want them to be the protagonists and the rest, the narrators. So uh, I wanted to get as close as possible to, to the truth. So whenever I could, I used even material that belonged to the protagonists uh, themselves. Uh, Miguel Angel Barajas was an incredible photographer and I uh, found these photographs through his uh, sons. And, uh, and the, I think the, the, what I love about what we the project and what we managed to do with with this uh, with this film and uh, the the story uh, what i love about it is the fact that we uh, we tried to let them speak and even used their own words. In the case of Sylvia, I used their own original reports from the area. So uh, her typed notes, uh, but also 
um, the, there is an interview with uh, Josue Vargas where he talks about the movement. Uh, there is a recording of uh, uh, some meetings they had. So, so uh, for me, it was very important to let the protagonists speak without any... Uh, try not to reinterpret any of their uh, incredible ideals. Uh, because I think with them, we lost uh, incredible humans, really. I mean, the human message that they had to uh, communicate, I think it's really universal. And this idea of dialogue and, and peace through dialogue and also um, prosperity through peace, um, to me, is revolutionary and it, it's in universal. Even now, it's so actual, so real. And they won uh, after their death. They were killed. Let's just get it out of the way. They were all killed in the end. So the dark forces they were uh, swimming against uh, in the end uh, killed them. And it's a very sad cyclical story in Colombia. It happens all the time. Uh, and every peace movement sadly ends that way. Even the one we are looking at now is uh, is, is threatened at the moment. And uh, and um, it's it's incredible how they um, they manage to win and to to be recognized even after their death. And they received an international uh, rec international recognition for their work by winning a um, a alternative peace uh, Nobel Peace Prize, uh, and, and that was uh, incredible, incredible, well deserved. But how sad that this story is unknown in in Colombia almost and to the world and they did something so amazing i mean there's nothing short than what mahatma gandhi did for india or martin luther king did um in uh, in the us uh, with the civil rights movement there's nothing short there's nothing short of that uh, in this story it's amazing and i think we need stories like that you know because i find myself um, talking to so many journalists who really um, just, you know, get in the bottom of the most heinous crimes, you know, and, and, and that can be easy. But often what I find is lacking, um, there are the stories of hope. And, you know, hope is what, what, what makes us live, what makes us wake up every day and keep going, even in the most difficult circumstances. And I find that a lot of um, countries in South America, you know, still um, uh, the record of um, murders of journalists is just com absolutely appalling and you know that's why of course your job is is so tremendously important um what was the reaction like at the time to the murder of this group at the time murder was an ordinary event um there was it was so normal that it was hardly it was hardly reported it certainly made made the news but uh, but people just it was it was everywhere it, it's it's unbelievable uh, the colombia of those times was a was a colombia um, where massacre where where bodies traveled down the the rivers um in in my in the film and in the interviews so many of my interviewees uh, mentioned these that the, the, when they uh, the kids played by the river, you could often see bodies floating down the river. That is the type of country 
they lived in. Um, it, it's so so. It, it was un, unbelievably normal, and and that's why this story of hope was so um, so different. And and Sylvia, I think when Sylvia, her sister, tells me this, this in an interview, um, when Sylvia uh, found out about this story, she just dived in because it was a story of hope and positive and a positive story in a country that was fed negativity death uh injustice every day and and the other thing that is is normal for the colombia of the time is injustice i mean we're talking about 30 years later uh the, the unsolved crimes and the, there's a period and are just everywhere and we're talking about just incredible incredible numbers of, of families still looking for their 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 uh, loved ones and uh, and it's it's just um uh, unbelievable and, and this is one of the unsolved crimes and you were talking about hope i mean i think there's there can be hope without closure and the closure in this case is is justice of some sort um the possible perpetrators and the mind the, the masterminders of these murder were identified even at the time um and yet uh, justice has never been done and there was a trial and uh, a lot of the people were acquitted but the trial was carried out by the same organization the accused belong to so the police forces the uh, the army and and obviously it couldn't be a, a um a just process or an independent process there hasn't, hasn't been an independent process and there was so much evidence everybody i mean this happened in the middle of a, of, of a town in, in almost uh, in in front of an entire town, uh, the the town of Simitara, and there were so many witnesses, and yet some people didn't have the courage to speak, and it took them thirty years and my camera to tell what they saw, and and uh, so the the last hope for these families that have seen uh, these incredible people taken away from from them. Um, the last hope is to get justice through the Inter-American Commission of Human Rights, uh, where the case is stuck. And my dream with this, um, by telling these incredible stories and the stories of these incredible humans, um, my hope and my uh, dream is that the case is unlocked and finally uh, these uh, uh, crimes are declared uh, officially. Uh, crimes against humanity, um, uh, which is partially what ha what has already happened with Sylvia. And yeah, that's uh, I was going to say that in, that in 2020 uh, the massacre was um, deemed a crime against humanity, which is a you know big step. Do you think that brought any kind of closure to the family at all, or at least was in any way symbolic? Yes, partially, certainly is a, is a great achievement. But I think what the family are very, very looking forward to is uh, is for the for for Colombia, for the, the state itself to recognize uh, that, um, that its complicity really for these crimes, because the link between politics and certain forces, especially the paramilitaries, uh, was very, very strong, and it is still today.
uh, to be fair. And some of the protagonists of, of the protagonists of this state of things are still in power today. And, and that is something that is something that many interviewees today weren't uh, prepared to say la aloud for fear uh, of being killed. 30 years later, that's just so disappointing. And because I, I wanted to ask um, about, you know, the, the present days and if anything has changed for the journalists and um, peaceful movement leaders in Colombia and whether they feel safer. I mean, obviously, you probably don't have the same kind of violence as you did, but, you know, um, the paramilitary groups are still there. The violence are still there. The protests are still there. You know, the drugs are still there. So what's is there any kind of positive change that we can talk about? Uh, absolutely not. I'm afraid. No. Um, the, the 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 hope for a positive change uh, grew strong during the peace process. But after that, what we are what, what we saw in Colombia and witnessed, and what the Colombian people are experiencing, is the systematic murder of social leaders. Uh, and that's that's exactly. And and I thought by telling this story, I really wanted to link. Uh, what 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 was happening then to what's happening now? Uh, because the, the telling a story uh, uh, now it's very very difficult and very dangerous. Uh, some journalists have been killed recently for trying to tell uh, recent stories, um, and I thought um, by possibly telling every a story in the past, I perhaps could uh, more symbolically uh, use this story to. Ref to as a reference to what's happening in the present and uh, social leaders and, and and human rights leaders are systematically being killed in Colombia today w uh, during the recent uprising um, I was sent uh, many many videos of uh, police uh, killing murdering protesters the numbers have been staggering um, and uh, what with the videos that I saw obviously um, it's hard to, uh, I, I wasn't there, but videos speak quite clearly. And I saw murder happening in, before my very eyes. Uh, and, um, and, and, and these, these, these by, you know, perpetrated by the, the, the police, the very police that should uh, defend uh, people. And, uh, and this, this phenomenon is rooted in the paramilitary mentality of the time. Life had, had no value whatsoever then and has no value whatsoever now. Um, when it comes to politics and when it comes to power and certain forces, uh, Unfortunately, we're still looking at uh, at, a, at a degeneration, at at a at a, at a corruption uh, of ideals and uh, ideologies to the point of extreme. And I guess your documentary is um, kind of a thread that connects the past to the present. And while it tells a story of hope and tragedy, it also shows how cyclical this violence is. So there are a lot of outcomes here, you know, positive ones and, you know, more upsetting ones, definitely.
Uh, absolutely, yeah. and I really wanted to, the message to be n n n no, no more, <laughs> nunca más, no more, no more of this, no more. And that's why I'm so glad. When I was uh, in Colombia, um, uh, I was last filming in February last year, and it was the beginning of a very strong social movement of young people defining uh, all sorts of risks, defining the police, defining the weapons, defining uh, people being killed while protesting. And they had incredible, they had banners saying, and really touching banners saying, uh, we are the nephews and the nieces of the people who still disappear today. We won't be silenced. And it was incredible, an energy and, and, and a determination in these young people that uh, really inspired me and that gave me and, and that, that gave me a great hope. And that's why I decided in, in one part of the film and in telling this story, I decided to put that uh, that energy into the film because it's only by unifying against uh, finding the courage to speak out and finding the courage to unify um, that that we can prevent uh, these stories to be suppressed in the future and and these incredible people and movements to be silenced and suppressed in the future so i hope i hope the future is bright um Certainly, this generation is a, is a very incredible and inspirational one in Colombia. I think we're all lucky to have you as well. Paolo, thank you so much for your impassionate speech. You know, as for myself, uh, as for myself, I can't wait to watch the documentary, you know, because, you know, amongst all the violence and hurt, if we can tell the story of hope, it means that things can still change for better. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much.